Hey everybody, welcome to episode 267 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And over on the left-hand coast, we have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Alrighty. I'm on the same coast too. Yeah, the left coast. Yes, that's yep. true. Thanks for thanks for pointing that out so people don't mm-hmm. know where San Jose is. Well, the way you said it, it sounded like there were different coasts involved. That's true. That That, that is true. And I'm not on the east coast, so I'm not on the right coast either, so technically, mm-hmm. I guess, you know. And do you know the way to San Jose? No coast, but yeah, Mark, Mark's um, left coastedness is, so is kind of hardly know the way. directionally mm-hmm. more more correct. He probably described me as upper left coasts. Upper left, yes, yes, closer to Canada, yes. mm-hmm. to the Great North. You just wish, you just wish you had access to our donuts and our Timbits and stuff. All right, although you can get the instant coffee. Remember, I posted that a couple of weeks ago, right? Tim, and I, I did I tell you I tasted some of it when I was in New Brunswick. I, I don't tell recall you, that you talking about that. Did, did so you got packets of uh, instant Tim Hortons coffee? No, no, no. It is uh, so at my sister-in-law's place. They had a, a jar of Tim Hortons coffee, like in, like instant coffee, like you know the freeze-dried stuff and because uh, I've tried their Keurig um, before and, and I just said to Carol never buy this never bring this into my house again um, yeah it was pretty awful I tried it too yeah it tastes exactly like Tim Hortons coffee I hate to say which which is not the best coffee but um, although I'm sure people are yelling at their phones right now um, I, I do like the dark roast I will admit I will drink that stuff but the other stuff is no, no not so much but anyway so the, the instant coffee uh, you know you take a teaspoon of this stuff and you throw some boiling water in and I I drink coffee black now, right? So, and I have for like the last 15 or so years. And um, it, it's actually not bad. It, it it does have that sort of Tim Hortons flavor, but the instant, the freeze-dried instant coffee that I sent a picture to you, Jaime, a while back, uh, is actually is actually passable as, as a drinkable liquid, right? So, hmm. you know, and back in the day, I used to drink instant coffee all the time before I got into the, before, you know, home brewing became a, other than percolating, uh, became a sort of way to make coffee, right? Because percolated coffee, you can ruin that really quick too. Anywho, um, I mean, the old-fashioned percolator style, right? So, uh, yeah, so we have some fact check from last week. I had, as I was telling the guys before we started recording here, that I had posted up that uh, we were talking about iOS 13.1 uh, being made available in the future. Uh, I believe the date was September 30th, but I wasn't sure, so I had left it empty, and I was going to confirm it. And yet, you know, this morning uh, I noticed that on my phone that was telling me that it was available, so I checked the, I've got a link here from Mac Rumors from the 24th of September, which was yesterday as we record, on the 25th. Um, um, that uh, it was uh, it came out yesterday, and so this is the same iOS 13.1 that. Well, sorry, it's not the same. This is the this is the differentiator, right? This is iOS 13.1. This is for the iPhone devices. Um, of certain caliber, and it's different than iPad OS, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I believe iPad OS came out as at the same time, right? Um, and they've put back in things that they were had removed from the beta testing, because and it was odd that we talked about this, you know, couple last couple of weeks that the 13.1 beta came out before, um, which is unusual, I think, for, it came out before uh, iOS 13 itself shipped, right? So last week when the phones came out, they shipped with iOS 13. This is a new incremented upgrade, and more things 
was put back so in. I suspect what happened here was was that uh, the iPad OS version wasn't ready for 13.0. Right. Okay. And so they needed a couple more weeks or whatever. And uh, so they, they made this one as this is really the iPad OS right. release. But there's an iPhone release as well that goes along with it because there's certain features that are probably common to both. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's my, that's my guess what happened here. Yeah. And it's interesting because cause I was, I mean, there's another article I was reading that we'll talk about later that I got the impression that they're splitting the, the two OSs uh, up from each other so that they can have different release dates for them so they don't have to be in parallel releasing them, right? Because, um, I mean, I can I know for a fact that, you know, developing for both platforms at the same time is, is challenging, especially now with all the different sizes. You know, I, f- I discovered some bugs in the I- iPad Pro 12.9 that I didn't anticipate being there because I was using size classes and all that kind of stuff, and, and yet I've been surprised to find that a couple of my apps in iOS 13 don't lay out correctly on iPad, mm. just on the iPad Pro. They're fine on the other iPads, right? You mean um, the, the large iPad Pro? Yeah, or the iPad large one, yeah, because it has more pixels, right? So, right. Yeah, so, so if I was using if I was using any kind of frame hinting or whatever, or any strings, springs and struts from from the older code, or if I was using uh, in one case it was a Cocos 2D uh, app, um, it, you know the, the screens the image didn't fill didn't fill the screen, so that was my challenge there, right? Um, but yeah, so so but this particular release from yesterday, I'm reading the top of this article here that it is iOS and iPad OS 13.1 came out at the same time, but but in in the past, I mean it's they've they've introduced you know iPhones on on in the September frame time frame and, and iPads either later in the fall or in the spring, right? Originally, they came up in the spring, so... But it's been a while since they've done that. No, but what I'm saying, though, is this op- opens up the door for them to be able to do that, to be able to have a separated separated iOS yeah. and iPad targeted mm-hmm. release, right? Mm-hmm. Plus, they're also, th- you know, as we've been saying for the last four years or so, that, you know, we kind of always... I mean, remember, Aaron was always saying that he always he always thought that iPad should have its own OS, and it should have things that, that you know, are sort of in between the Macintosh and iOS experience, right? That are that are unique to that platform because it's got so much more space, right? And and that's kind of where we're getting. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything? I uh, I can't participate yet in all the goodness because I have, <laughs> <laughs> as in my usual uh, paranoid and cowardly way, I've generally waited like a, about a week when a new version, like a major version of iOS, comes out. Yeah, I was extra scared just given how chaotic the 13 beta seemed to be and the fact that 13.1 was ready, you know, so close to the 1300 release. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm scanning this Mac rumors. Um, well, don't get don't get into the weeds yet because we'll talk about these the, the details in the next couple of. This. We've, unfortunately, for this show, we've linked you know things about 13.1 later on. But this is this is just fact checking the date, right? Right. So, so with regard to dates and not functionality, I'm yeah considering just given that I haven't seen anything major you know, that like really scares me in terms of bugs um, from any of the normal sources and uh, this set of commentary, the comments threads underneath this particular article that you've put for the mm-hmm. show notes. Um, nothing really sticks out as being horrific, so maybe I will sacrifice the iPad tonight Ooh. to that upgrade cycle. Mm-hmm. If that goes the well, then maybe during the day, I'll, uh, in the morning, I'll upgrade the iPhone. Yeah, well, I've removed the, uh, I believe I've removed all the profiles from my phone, so I'm running the Gold Master of iOS 13 on my phone, and I will update to the 13.1 and hopefully get out of the, the 
the beta cycle. I've also removed it from the iPad. I did have to update uh, to the latest beta a couple of days ago, and I'll explain why in, in, in a bit. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I uploaded to 13.1 about an hour or so ago. Yeah. And uh, haven't seen any issues so far. Which is so you've come from 12 to 13.1? No, I was already on 13. Oh, are you? Okay, okay, okay. Have you been playing around with dark mode and stuff like that yet, or...? A little bit. Yeah, I have a, I'm set to dark mode. Yeah. Oh, interestingly enough, uh, I just noticed that 13.1 reset my phone to light mode. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Things, things to be aware of. Yeah, and, and I'm noticing, too, that... Uh, I, I don't know if I commented anywhere here, in, or if there's an Ask MTJC, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jaime, but um, one thing I commented about Twitter was I was using Twitter the other day, and, and I opened up my phone, which I run in dark mode, and Twitter came up in dark, ro- in dark mode, and it was a shock to me. I'm like, oh, I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't ready to start using Twitter in dark mode, because... And I hadn't noticed that Twitter doesn't really honor the, the display size, like the text size, that I, I choose a slightly larger text size, and it, I didn't realize it was doing that. And turns out that you can't... So I very quickly went to the settings and found that you can actually turn off the dark mode in Twitter. And But then they also have a handler for, for how they do font sizing. They're not using dynamic type or... Dy- is it dynamic type or, you know, the large the accessibility setting for a larger font? You have to use a slider to make the text larger and smaller. So I, I you know, didn't go all the way to the largest size, but I did I did move up the dial in terms of size. But And uh, Slack also has switched over to dark mode as well. And, uh, and well, we'll talk about the dark mode setting hopefully when we get to it uh, in the follow-up. Anyway, so um, let's dive into some Ask MTJC with Jaime Lopez Jr. Yeah, the first one we have here is this uh, this chain from you, Tim. Mm-hmm. To you and, uh, and Paul Wilkinson. Right, right. Yeah, he was he was talking about uh, um, after he updated to iOS 13, he got he got the first of what will become many uh, Bluetooth peripheral warnings about uh, Facebook wants to scan Bluetooth for Bluetooth peripherals. So you'll find that many many applications will do this. So this has been the most annoying thing about one of the most annoying things about the beta thing is that just about every second day you're getting a notification about some some app. Um, like you used to get with the location one. In fact, the location notifications are. are are even more bothersome, but yeah, strangest things. And and we were when we were recording last week. You know, I discovered that um, my Pi Day Countdown app was also. Oh no, yeah, Pi Day Countdown was app was also asking for Bluetooth. And I wasn't as a developer wasn't even aware that that I was even using Bluetooth. So you know, I kind of replied back to him that you know I don't think think he was postulating that it was Facebook who was doing this, and it wasn't in my opinion Facebook doing it per se. But in my case, it was it was it was the Google Ads or, or Ad mob, I guess, um, must be using, must be doing something with, with uh, Bluetooth devices. So, and we went back and forth about this, and he, he posted a link here from the Verb, Verge uh, that talks about uh, how many apps will, will be wanting to do this. So, so I tagged it with Ask MTJC, so we could talk about it. So let's talk about it. Yeah, so in your case, I, I was trying to suss out whether you were using like core location or something within mm-hmm. um, Pi Day Countdown, because I could be wrong, and they probably have changed this in iOS 13, but I could have sworn when you got location permission from the user, mm-hmm. uh, like for GPS coordinates, you would also get access to the uh, Bluetooth location for iBeacons. But for maybe Beacons, that yeah. was separate than altogether than like normal. I would like to use Bluetooth um, connectivity as a way to connect to peripherals. I, I don't really right. know too much off the top of my head. Right. And like I said, uh, I'm not using location in PyD Countdown. Um, I don't know why I would use location in PyD Countdown. But uh, obviously, I would think that if in the case of ads, uh, um, I could understand why they would want to know where you are. If, if AdMob is feeding you, you know, con- like they, you don't want to, they want to advertise something in Toronto if you're in Seattle, for instance, right? And vice versa. So that might be a reason why they would want to 
change location. But but um, I, I and I would have had to as from from the rules of iOS or iOS dumb, I would have had to go on in and opted into some sort of Bluetooth uh, permission statement. I would have thought right um, and put in a reasonable reason why I'm asking for it. But and, and you know write to the user a, a custom statement as to why my app needs to use it. Right. So right. right. And I haven't and didn't and, and in fact I haven't touched iPad or iPad account down in in at least a year. Right. So yeah, I was surprised. Just a surprise. But but this notification thing that's also the the sorry the, the location one is is also problematic for developers because it'll pop up a map which will show all the places that your app has has requested location notification locations as they're using your apps and so like in the case of the picture here it's got the person going from Newburgh New York to New York City um, which is quite a ways right actually that's probably Newburgh Pennsylvania but anyway um yeah and you get these huge giant maps that like sc- like scroll across the whole screen and it's it's a you know it's a little perturbing uh, it would have been I guess I, I I guess if we had read the, the updates from Apple, we would have noticed that uh, that this kind of stuff was going to be presented to the user, but it took us all by surprise, right? All right. You guys are still there, right? I'm just checking. The <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I feel like the, the moral of the story, like that's come up several times over the uh, illustrious five-year history of this very show is that uh, you got to watch out for those those third-party libraries sounds like you got hit by this one in this case and you know this is something that's been in there presumably for like a very long time um it's it's rough as the platform moves along you uh you end up with like oh i didn't realize this is what we signed up for because now it's being exposed more directly well yeah this is the danger as mark always likes to say you know he doesn't like third-party dependencies yep all right what's next tommy Another tweet from uh, Paul Wilkinson. This one mm-hmm. relates to pricing of the iPhone 11. We had talked about it in sort of different countries and how pricing might work. He says here that the 64 gigabyte iPhone 11 is $1,199 Australian. Mm-hmm. And if you convert $699 US to Australian dollars and add the 10% tax, because Australian prices always include the tax, mm-hmm. you get to about uh, 1,130, uh, Australian dollars. So, uh, at least a U.S. dollars amount of $42 uplift and mm-hmm. then do the, the exchange in your head. Uh, Apple has to cover the cost of doing business in Australia, higher minimum wage, more annual leave, etc. I also think that might be a carbon tax too. If you think about like how far, like you know, when you ship things too, right? Like you, you have to, sometimes you have to pay gas, gasoline as they call it, or gas tax uh, for for transport, right? So that could that forty two dollars and the fifty dollars that gets it up into Canada may be the same thing. You know, even though we all know they all ship from Shanghai and they land in Alaska and they get distributed from there. So I'm sure it's some something similar happens for devices going to um, from you know for Singapore to Australia must have must take a different route, but. But uh, it's arguable whether it costs more to ship to to Australia. It probably costs more to ship to Australia than it does to ship to Canada. Let's say, right? But yeah, not from China. Well, this is a, this is my point, right? Like it's it's almost as if we're paying for devices to be shipped from California, which seems to be the I guess they're they're like what's the rationale? Like you know, from Alaska to you know, mind you, in, in I've, I've watched you know transports of equipment go from Shanghai to Texas to Calgary to you know to Mississauga to me kind of thing, right? Over a number. 
of days, like waiting for equipment for people to arrive for customers and stuff like that. But, you know, theoretically, you know, it's like Shanghai to Alaska to Toronto, right? Like, why does it, again, what's the rationale? Is it that hard to get to Australia, really? He's like, not saying, he's not, in the in the suite, he's not saying that it has anything to do with shipping. It's, in fact, everything else, everything but the shipping. Mm-hmm. Higher minimum wage, more annual leave, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have to pay the guy delivering it more money, then somebody's got to pay for that. Doesn't necessarily mean the consumer should, but right. that's, that's my a point. possibility. That's my point, yeah. Well, 10% tax, too, they're getting off easy. We have 13% up here. Well, at least in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, so I like, think his, his point actually is that it's not particularly unreasonable. I suppose. Right. I suppose. For, mm-hmm. In this case, I before learning about the higher minimum wage and, and more time off and stuff, I, I just would have assumed, yeah, for hardware, that sort of makes sense. It's like getting stuff to Australia is like getting it to the moon, practically. Um, but for software things, that's the thing that always sort of surprised me, that their software prices would be higher. I'm like, that mm. it's just bits over the wire. And yeah. if you translated it for Canada or the U.K., like you're you're done. Well, it's interesting. We were ta- I was listening to a show. My my the main argument with this though is the lack of transparency from Apple in in these other countries. Like, why are they charging more? Like, if you do the number exchange rate, like he said, I mean, yes, I agree with his argument. But why are we not hearing that from Apple? Right, that it that it costs more because of the higher wage or whatever. Um, and just as just as a side note here, I was, t- I was listening to uh, Spark CBC Radio. They had a lady lady on talking about the the actual cloud, the internet, and we all talk about the cloud and the cloud is actually really a bunch of cables that run under the ocean and those cables have to be maintained and repaired and you know like they get upset and you know accidents happen to them like natural accidents you know animal accidents boats run over them um, that kind of stuff, and and the cost of actually running these cables across the across the ocean floors to get you know the internet around the world, right? Um, although we all think it goes up into the air with this fictional cloud that we all talk about, right? Um, it's just interesting from an infrastructure point of view. I'll find a link for that in the show notes, and, and I'll, I'll post that in there for people who are curious about how the internet actually really works. And it is a series of tubes, right? No, install the bits, slip slide on a tube. Huh? Depends how you define a tube, I guess. Yeah. Well, they're tubes with copper in them, right? All right. One more. One more. I think we got one more right here, Hermie. Uh We got two. The The first one okay. of the remaining two is from a friend of the show, former guest host, and a person of many words, including the word bugs, is uh, Gregory Heo. Gregory said, Archibald uh, Heo, isn't it? <laughs> Gregory Archibald Heo Esquire. Thank Esquire. you for reminding me. Is uh, yeah. sent us a, a little tweet here that says, I was driving at home in a vehicle with CarPlay, no less. And he's mm-hmm. uh, playing, guess what? The uh, More Than Just Code podcast on, uh, on CarPlay. He's got a little screenshot here of that. So those of you driving at home will have that. Did you notice the app he's using? I, I don't know. I don't I don't have CarPlay, so I don't know if that's just sort little, of with little the... little red icon there? That's Pocket Casts. Oh, okay. Oh. So that's that's the active app. It's it's really hard to tell. I've, I've not yeah, used yeah. CarPlay for this. I've used an older version of CarPlay, for sure. Right. And um, was not playing podcasts. was doing just music and um, sort of wayfinding navigation. The Apple Maps. So I didn't know, and I'm not a Pocket Cast user, so I didn't realize that that's what he was using to play this right. the show. Right. If you had uh, Overcast, also has a CarPlay uh, CarPlay version as well. So I've I've used Overcast in my car rental cars of in the past. Alrighty, cool. And you have one more. Yeah, this this last one is uh, is a preview or a spoiler for later in the show. I, yeah, you had, you had mm. tweeted about 
me. Uh, I, I originally tweeted that uh, there's a great way for folks to get started in the open source community. And we'll save it for later. Tell, yeah. You thought I should tell us tell us more for you know hashtag MTJC. And I said uh, it's in the show notes. Spoilers. That's all yes. right. We, we and my response tease was people. like this proves once and for all that Tim doesn't read the show notes before the show. Hiding <laughs> in plain sight is where I put my. My picks yeah. of the week. <laughs> That's a great place to hide it. Yeah. Put it in the show notes. Tim won't see it. All righty then. So let's move on to our follow-up then. Yeah. This this first one came out, um, I guess, around the time that we started recording, or maybe I just didn't notice it in my uh, feed. This is related to the uh, the top 10 Apple Arcade launch games you have to play. Uh, mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, I've not updated to iOS 13 yet, so can't try out Apple Arcade. Tim, I think you have. I was kind of I curious have, if yes, you played any of these yeah. games and had any uh, any opinions on whether some of these are, are worth a shot. I've played a couple of games. Um so far, because obviously I'm not a big gamer guy, but I did I did try I want to try it out again. I, I downloaded it because I wanted to see how it installs. And we talked about it last week. And and my my big bugaboo still is that there doesn't seem to be games that my four year old granddaughter can play. Um, however, and we talked about where cards fall, which is you know related to uh, the name of the company is actually made by Snowman here in Toronto. Um, but I think in this article it talks about it's actually two companies put together. Um, and this comes back to my what I was. Saying saying earlier about the iPad OS. I was running a beta, I think, 4 or 5 of, uh, of iOS something or other, 13, I'm not sure, uh, on the iPad. And when I went to run uh, Where Cards Fail, or, sorry, Where Cards Fail, that's uh, subconscious, Where Cards Fall, it actually did fail because the screen never got, it, it, you know, I saw the um, Apple Arcade screen that showed, like a splash screen that shows up, and then a little, um, looks like a guitar pick with a with an hourglass in it to show it's loading. And then just the screen just went black and so uh while i was waiting for that to happen i, I did, after a couple of days i tried doing it um on on my iphone and it worked fine under with ios 13 and then uh so i went back in and and I, my ipad was telling me there was an update to beta 6 so i, I downloaded uh, beta 6 13.1 and uh sure enough the the app ran i still haven't had a chance to go through it yet um it seems sort of mysteriously mysterious and it's got some atmospheric work um, music but i haven't really gone into it too deeply. Well, one game I did play, I think, is on this list. Let's see. Oh, maybe it's not. I was on Icon for it before, but it's kind of a perspective puzzle game where you have these these you have these like shapes, and on the shapes. Um, uh, a target appears, and you have to you have to rotate the shape to be able to get to the target. Um, sort of sort of like Mon- Monument Valley, but like in a very sort of just linear graphic mode. Um, and that was kind of interesting as as apps go. But yeah, is this is this the article that talks about how they're being made, or is that later, Jaime? No, there's a, another one sort of related to this that covers the Apple Arcade development side. So we had wondered, you know, how how the heck is this stuff being paid for? Is it uh, yes. money up front? Is you get a cut based on you know just peanut buttering the subscription price across all the games all developers is it based on usage like your game is being used more than somebody else's right Um, and this article here from uh, gamedaily.biz is claiming that Apple is fronting the development costs so making it more like a traditional publisher developer deal and certainly there are some places that are you know pretty well known like Konami and Capcom uh, and places that sort of had apps already ready to go or games ready to go but it sounds like some folks just sort of had a, a hope and a dream and maybe a sketch on a cocktail napkin. 
token that was convincing enough for Apple to say, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll let you into the program. We'll, we'll front you the money to do the development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, apparently, so, the, so do you think they would help more than just code public or update um, uh, Geek Squad? Because Geek Squad has been languishing in, in uh, iterative, iterative hell, as they mentioned, one of these apps. Talk about one of these apps. I think the Snowball app, that was, or the Snowman app I was just talking about. Uh, they were saying that it was uh, originally took a long time to go through different iterations. Uh, the game band from LA based studio, um, but it's published by Snowman. They were saying that they went through development hell, is what they've got here written down, and Apple stepped in and gave them a hand, right? I mean, Check I know, maybe. I mean, we. I was joking with you on Twitter that, uh, you know, that new game that Panic is uh, publishing. I, I don't know right. who the developer is. The Untitled Goose Game. I said, well, Tim, you should you oh, should market right. yourself yeah, yeah. as Titled Goose Game for Geese Squad and rebrand. Right, yeah, yeah. So actually, the, this is where I thought the, the article was. So the, the screenshot they've got in the middle of gray, the gray box with the, it's got like a cube and it's got a finger showing a gesture. This is the the wordless tutorial in that app I was talking about. This is the, the thing where you have the little circles that you try and you have to rotate the cube to get to score the points, right? Or clear the targets. Um, it doesn't say what the name of the app is, though. Let me look on my phone or iPad. Yeah, but anyway, that is um, that is the game I was talking about. Doesn't, it begins with an S. I'm not sure. Spectre or something like that? Hmm. Do any of these games like ring a bell with you, Jaime? Have you seen any of these na- titles before? Or I know they're exclusive to I, oh, iPad or iOS or Game Center. App, there, arcade, there's a sorry. weird exclusivity. So um, it's worth noting that apparently the development teams maintain the rights to their, their games, so that, that's good. You know, um, Unclear if there is additional revenue sharing beyond the initial fronting of money to get things started. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these games like uh, Sonic Racing um, mm-hmm. has existed before, and I don't know if it's a straight port of the old Sonic Racing game or if it's you know a new game in the same series. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of these were ones that I had necessarily known about prior, and I, I could be totally wrong. Um, right. As regards right. to exclusivity, it seems like it varies. Some of them are uh, purely exclusive to Apple, like nobody will ever have it, and uh, or at least for a timed exclusive. And others mm-hmm. seem to be like, yeah, you can release on other platforms, just not on mobile platforms. Right. Specifically Android, right, in this case. Hmm. So Switch, Xbox, PlayStation would be acceptable, but but not uh, other competitive platforms. Sure, sure. By the way, real-time follow-up, the name of that game, the app I'm talking about is Spec, S-P-E-K. So that's the, the perspective, twisty-turny, simple, simple game. But I guess good enough for arcade. Yeah. Interesting to see. Well, I don't know. I guess maybe next year they'll give us a bit more. Or maybe they'll have, maybe they'll have a game um, keynote or presentation kind of set session on, on how you get into this uh, exclusive club where, you know, EA, the likes of EA and Konami and Namco run, right? Yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to see how this goes because this ends up having impacts to the broader app and game ecosystem and mm-hmm. especially with regard to pricing if folks start to expect that um, all you can eat for four ninety nine is sort of what they want. What what does right. that mean for other games that are out there, their apps too? Yeah, it does It does raise the bar, I guess, in terms of quality and, and what, what can be done. Like, you're not going to get a bunch of flappy bird type things in arcade, I guess, right? Um, but would would something like a Flappy Bird have survived in, in this, this new economy? Yeah, and, and it turns it into more of that traditional model for game development. Like, we've, we've talked about how uh, whatever people's problems with the App Store may be, they are great problems to have compared to, like, if you tried to make something traditionally for Nintendo or Sony or Microsoft, it's like, oh, you don't like a $99 a year thing? Guess what? Here's a $10,000 dev kit that you need to buy. <laughs> oh, is your game suck too 
too much and our QA doesn't like it, guess what? You don't get to, you don't get to sell your game, right? It's way harsher. And uh, not to say that Apple's going that direction, but uh, if it becomes like this exclusive club to be into Apple Arcade, and that's sort of like the, you know, in the future, only feasible way to have a business uh, yeah. for games. Like, what does that mean for, for indie development is, is something to keep a watch on. Yeah, it's very a 90s or 2000 um, sort of a model. But yeah, you're right. That's what the, the, the price to enter the, the game is quite high. You have to, you have to be seriously invested in that, right? I mean, I suppose if you've got backers and whatever, you know, $10,000 for, for a development kit isn't that big a deal. But for the independent developer who's like, you know, slinging hash and flipping burgers, you know, it's it's not that uh, not that easy to get into, right? Um, Has there been any mention of in-app purchase for Arcade? No, there's no in-app purchases. It's all it's all you can eat, like Jaime said, right? That's that's uh, for sure. That, yeah. I, and, I believe that's will the continue case. to be that way? Um, undetermined, but I, I, <laughs> I don't know if you'll have a um, like downloadable content DLC type of atmosphere. Like, like the yeah. sort of problem here is like, well, um, if I wanted to add a new, um, you know, a new, new set of levels or something, like would it need to create another right. game? Because Apple's not going to let us do an in-app purchase to get the new right. pack. Right. I don't know. Well, but, right. I mean, the thing about it is we've talked about Monument Valley. They disclosed their numbers for the first two, for Monument Valley 1 and Monument Valley 2. I mean, and to make a game of that level, it takes hundreds of thousands of dollars to do, right? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, so, and I mean, that's that's kind of what I would expect that the games that are coming out of out of arcade are in that in that range because you know Apple's putting this game in front of you know millions of people, hundred million people, you know, and uh, and obviously that's going to hopefully drive you know the ability for you to upgrade and and all that kind of stuff. I, I have no idea how how does a developer get paid or is it uh you know Apple fronts you the money and in, in like royalties on a book you if you get fronted to to write a book um, you don't get any more money until you reach a certain threshold of sales, right? You know, like nobody's gotten rich writing tech books is what I, what the story goes, right? No comment. (laughs) All right. Yeah. I mean, you know, in in traditional publishing, you know, an author would make from an old hardcover book, you know, days, uh, the the author would make two or 3%. And I know it's like even, even musicians on, on the app store and Spotify are, are, you know, getting pennies per pennies per purchase kind of thing. Right. So it's interesting to see where, where, what the return is, right. On, on getting into this, this type of business, right? I mean, besides the, the glory of having a cool game and stuff, you know, and, and being able to build something like that. But yeah, if you've got Papa Apple to, to fund your way, you know, then then it's all good gravy, right? Like here in Canada, we have we have programs where you can get the gov- government funded um, venture capital to work with, right? Um, we have several programs, like one called Shred, where if you have a new idea that's you know never been done before and you're producing original content in your in your game or app, um, the government will with with you know lots of due diligence and paperwork and, and you know logs submitted, um, they will fund your fund your development. Um, you can pay for two or three developers with the kind of money you get from them and there's also a lot of movies are made here in Canada with government funding. I'm just remembering what the name of the company, what the thing is. I'll, I'll obviously have to fact check it for next week, but I should know um, because some of the, some of the work I've done is work has been funded by that kind of uh, those kind of that kind of government money that's made for creative types to make movies and games and books and websites and things, right? I, I don't suppose you have things like that in the states, right? Well, there are there are things like that uh, for sure, like programs for engineering money, kind of thing, or design money. Yeah, I mean there. Are- there are all sorts of grants and things you can apply for, um, mm-hmm. but you know there's there's lots of competition and, and 
I don't know if uh, you know. I don't, I don't know if they're as easy to get as as a, as a, it sounds like they are in Canada, but but they do exist. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to find them, right? So I'm just having a quick look to see if I can find the name of this thing before I forget. With regard to uh, the oh, arts, Canadian and- Media Fund—that's what it's called. <laughs> ah, there you go. Yeah. What With regard to arts and uh, film, sort of media stuff, the closest thing I can think of that you know immediately comes to mind is uh, the state of Georgia. Apparently, has a lot of grants or tax cuts or something, and you'll you'll see at the end of a lot of movies that you know this film was made in part by uh, yeah. funds related to Georgia film fund or something of that nature yeah next time you're watching a movie on netflix or whatever and don't don't skip like try to try to figure out the key com- combination to see the full credits at the very end of it you'll often see the canadian media fund and there's like an orange sort of um pixelated icon uh there and i see it a lot you know you know like uh movies that are because they're filmed here north of the border a lot of times um funding is coming from the canadian media, media fund because it's it's employing canadians right that's the whole idea i just did a google search on small business grants mm-hmm. and came up with with a website that has uh, 106 ways to get free money for your business. <laughs> okay. Top small business grants in 2019. Number one is the Small Business Innovative Research Program. Then there's the Small Business Technology Transfer Program. Mm. Then there's the Rural Business Enterprise Grant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on from there. So, I mean, there's, I, I think this stuff is out there. People just generally don't think of looking for it. And maybe right. the amount of work you have to do to get it, you know, maybe is is not worth it in many cases. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's there's been some advice that I've gotten. We and then it's north. I met a few people who you know back in 2014 when I first started going there. Who were it was held in Ottawa, and there's a lot of people in Ottawa who are behind. You know, know how to get the get the money. Um, they did say that it's it's almost as much work as it is to develop the app that, to get the money, right? So yeah. So that, I guess that that's sort of another um, uh, high bar for people to to try and get get past, right? Um, yeah. So there's also the Canada Council, which which funds musicians and fine artists and stuff like that like you know but again you have to go and like it's almost like doing a pitch you have to go pitch and present and and you may get accepted you may not right and depending on the scope you need um some artists are able to like painters and sculptors are able to you know buy groceries and pay rents with with the monies that they they get for these kind of things and you know of course this is where politics comes into it because as governments come in they they some of them decide that you know spending money on on the arts is not as as profitable as as they would like and you know so they cut these kind of things out but for now you know in canada we have the canada council we have the canadian media fund as well that'll that'll help you and then of course mark just pointed out a number of these things in the states as well and georgia right where where the uh Walking Dead is produced right at georgia there's a georgia peach icon you see at the end of that show which has something to do with funding all right. Um, so speaking of arcade, there's a new kid in town. I mean, yeah. If you thought, well, maybe I'll uh, switch my environs and grass is green on the other side and go over to Android. It's like, well, Google Play Pass might give you a little bit of pause. So um, it's launching with uh, no ads, no in-app purchases, more than just games. So it includes um, non-game apps as well uh, for four ninety-nine a month uh, U.S. It looks like it has similar type of uh, family subscription sort of model. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, Google apparently has stated that uh, engagement with the apps themselves will be part of the way in which apps will get paid more or less. And uh, although it's still an, an invite-only stage, so not free and clear for anybody to just join, sounds like you can sign up somewhere to express interest in participating. As a developer, you mean? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes, uh, to sign up as a developer, not uh, not as a user. Right. Right. And will you get a year's free if you buy a new uh, Pixel Note three? 
I don't see anything here about that, but the uh, I don't think the Pixel event has occurred yet, right? In that October coming up? Yeah, so I think so. I, yeah. I, guess, I guess we'll see. I have no idea. I'm being, being facetious. I, it wasn't, <laughs> I knew you were, but it also seemed like it was plausible, too, and I was racking <laughs> my brain to see, did I see anything like that? And I didn't see anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. All right. Um, next thing, so I was, I was talking about this a little bit earlier, that uh, this is an article that I posted, um, well, it must have been yesterday, I guess. Uh, Apple has also posted, or sorry, yeah, Apple's also uh, released iPad OS, which we talked about at the top of the show, and this goes, this uh, link that I've got here goes more specifically into it. Um, Apple has also produced, as Jaime likes to say in the past, lots of different videos on the new things you can do, uh, again, on Apple's YouTube channel, uh, what you can do with this new OS, um, talks about some of the things that uh, we're doing. Oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but last couple of weeks I've been ranting, or I guess last couple of months I've been ranting about text selection in in um, in uh, iOS 13, and I don't know if I have uh, something about that, but yeah, apparently I was holding it wrong um, the whole time. Uh, there is a new new paradigms for selecting text and, and things like that, and that applies to the iPad and the uh, iPhone. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about that a bit uh, in a bit in a few minutes. But we've talked about my experience with my iPad Pro with the new today uh, view on the home screen, and there's a screenshot of it here. But yeah, so they're talking about the multitasking where you can now slide and pinch from the slide. I've not been able to get that to work, but then again, maybe I haven't got the, the, the right level of beta to make that work. Um, so yeah, oh, it's interesting. They've got a screenshot here, which looks like uh, three camera iPads in them. Did you see that in the screenshot? And talking about multitasking? Are you guys um, still there? <laughs> I, I don't see... They got a picture of the Mac Rumors website, right? You got the Mac Rumors Wikipedia. Oh, page. okay. I see in the split view, right. Mm-hmm. And they got these sort of proto- just leaked. I, it must be in a real article that they're linking here, but showing iPads with the three-camera square display, right? But based on what people thought they were going to look like before we actually see what we got in the iPad Pros. I Sorry, I, iPhone 11, iPhone 11 Pros. Anyway, um, yeah, so with the new swipe over uh, mechanism for flipping between apps, instead of in, previously you'd bring you'd come back to your home screen and you would, you would sort of kind of gesture upward and uh, you get these little sort of uh, smaller views of each, of each uh, app. Now you can swipe through apps with the sort of uh, thinner 320-wide um, multitasking view of each app. Um, so they're talking about here with the, with the new um, gesture. So the idea is that you, you take your finger and as you just you drag it across the type to select a block of copy, block of text. And what I was doing wrong was normally I would select the text and then I would wait for that little uh, pop-up to show where it says copy or select all or paste or whatever. But you, what you do now is you highlight the text and you and with I think with three fingers you pinch and it picks up the type and then you go somewhere else, and then you you spread your three fingers, and it puts the type down. So if you're switching, you know, co- so that's the copy and paste gesture. The whole series of new gestures that uh, they've added in in iOS 13 on on the iPad specifically, and I believe that works on the iPhone as well. Um, yeah, so you're talking here about you know the new home screen, the multitasking slide over thing I talked about. Uh, Apple Pencil apparently has lower latency now, more responsive than ever. Uh, they changed the way that when you when you're in in photos and you're and you're using the markup tool. If you, I don't know if you guys have used that. It's more like a you get a selection of um, pen types, you know, markers and and pencils and things, and you can choose the color you want to use and that kind of stuff. Um, the quick type, which is with the floating keyboard, where you can you can grab the, the full size uh, you know virtual keyboard, shrink it. Down down, and then you can use the swipe to type thing. That you, I guess you haven't tried that yet, Jaime, because you haven't got iOS 13 yet. Have you tried the swipe to type thing, Mark, yet on your keyboard? Uh, I have tried it. Yeah. Um, I can't spell well enough to use that. Yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> I'm looking. I'm actually using it right now. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as I move around, it's ch- 
changing the suggestions in the suggestion bar. Yeah. Kind of in real time, depending on where what I'm looking at. It's, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I quite get it yet intuitively mm-hmm. how it works. Uh, it's sort of a bit of counterintuitive if, if you're a touch typer too, I think, right? Yeah. Like you know where the keys are on the keyboard, but you know, like I always have trouble with the I before E thing, so I'm sure that would mess it up, but maybe they maybe they have logic behind that. Um, apparently, uh, Safari, yeah, Safari now has a desktop class browsing. I know that because uh, I've been using it for the last couple of months, and when I go to websites now and I'm in uh, landscape mode, I get a full regular, you know, what you were used to on the desktop uh, kind of Safari experience. So I'm not getting a dumbed-down uh, mobile-type website, right? And dark mode, which uh, I promised I would talk about again. Um, so one of my, one of my things about dark mode is was trying to transition from you know using dark. I'm not. I don't use Xcode in, in sort of dark mode uh, type screen. You know, uh, I'm getting used to reading my mail and, and things like that in dark mode on both of my devices. But what I've discovered, which I really like, and this works on both machines, both devices, is you can actually go in and based on the time of day, turn on dark mode or night mode. And the same thing on the Mac with Catalina, which I you know it came out on Catalina first where during the day you get the you know the bright white screen with the black text and and at night you get you know so around sundown or so it switches over to uh yeah. dark mode with you know in, with the in fact real-time follow-up when i earlier said that ios 13.1 had turned off dark mode yeah it hadn't i actually had that feature turned on and oh, there forgot. You go. So it was still daytime earlier, and now it's gone dark, so it switched over to dark mode. Yeah, and so and photos has changed quite a bit. They've got this new, um, and this is this has been in the um, in the beta for a while uh, on both thirteen and and uh, that is that when you go to the photos tab, um, you can look at your photos clumped together in terms of years, months, or days, and so that's not bad if you consider that you know I have the oldest earliest photos I have on my I even have phones photos that go back to nineteen sixty four on my phone phone because I've gone in and put the proper dates on them. But, you know, I've had my phone since, what, 2007, 2006, 2007, I guess, 2008. So, yeah, I've got photos that are taken on the iPhone, and you can group them that way. Or you can click on all photos and get the, you know, the regular collection view that you're used to, and which I tend to go to a lot, but I've been finding that the new, uh, this new way of, this new paradigm of looking at at, uh, photos, uh, the way they organize them is much, much, you get used to it. And then, um, the album views are, are uh, a lot easier to use as well, and uh, you can look at you can and the search is getting way better. The you know I don't know if that's anything that our little friend over there has anything to do with. I know it's not, but um, I'd like to think he does. Uh, that the search is getting much better. It's much more intuitive. Like it's much more uh, the machine learning is getting better in terms of in terms of his algorithms. You can put in uh, words and get images that more or less match what you're looking for. I don't know if there's a way to correct them, but so photos has changed quite a bit. I've signed with Apple. I've not seen anything uh, I'm not seeing a sign in with Apple show up anywhere yet for me, but uh, and Maps is, is Maps also has dark mode, which I find odd to use during the day when it was when it I didn't have that automatic switching over thing that Mark was talking about, right? Um, so one of the things that's coming back in in uh, iOS 13.1 is uh, shortcut anim- automations, which apparently were a bit wonky in 13. They went away, and now they're back again. So um, apparently, like like I was talking about with my phone blocking callers who aren't who I've not interacted with 
with before, they'll automatically go to voicemail. Um, apparently, you can do the same thing with uh, with mail now, right? So you can have them automatically move directly. Uh, it says by, directly to trash. I don't know if I'd do that, but um, you can have block sender. You can block senders. Uh, I guess you can block senders, and it'll go to trash automatically. But uh, but you know <laughs> that that's a great idea. But I don't know if you guys have tried this. But when you block senders and you block callers, they just change to a different number or different address, right? Like it, it, that's almost a futile effort to try and get rid of them that way. Yeah. So lots of lots of different things. I mean, this goes on for for days. We won't spoil, spoil all your fun by uh, by reading all this for you, but uh, quite a few enhancements in iOS 13.1, which is now available on the iPad OS and as well as iOS. Any comments? Kind of like in the live view photos on on the uh, in the Photos app. Well, that's true. Yeah, as you scroll through them. Yeah. Yeah. They all, it's almost like the Harry Potter kind of paradigm where you as you swipe through them they they uh, animate, right? Yeah. I'm watching George Clinton on stage. Right oh yeah. Now. Yeah. And if you hold your finger down, you you'll hear the audio too, right? Do you notice that? I have headphones on. It's hard to tell. So I was, uh, yesterday I met, uh, today I met Gary Kawasaki and he went to his talk at, at Elevate in Toronto. Um, but yesterday, um, the keynote speaker was uh, Chris Hadfield, our Canadian astronaut, the one who did the David Bowie cover. Um, and he was one of the, not the first one to Twitter, to use Twitter, but his, his son encouraged him to get on Twitter when he was up in the space station. And um, so I met him yesterday and I handed my phone, as I was getting him to sign some books for my grandchildren and myself, um, I handed my phone to uh, one of the guys beside, and he took a bunch of pictures of me. And there's enough pictures there. So this is an Ask MTJC for the, for our listeners, and, and maybe some other people will think about this. But there's enough pictures there that I could actually make a video of him signing, because um, I've gone through them and held down the, the, the key, as I said, or held down my, my finger on them to hear what he's saying, because he's actually talking to me as he's signing, right? Asking me about my grandkids and telling me what his granddaughter's birthday was yesterday and so on and so forth, right? So it'd be interesting to sort of string these images along and make them into a movie. So I know that I know that I've seen ways that you can make live photos into actual movies, but it would be interesting to see if I could get all these together. I mean, I'll obviously throw them into an editing app, but it's just interesting that that uh, they could do that, right? Also, I just I did a, an iMovie um, movie today. I don't often do iMovie, but for reasons I had to do one today, and um, uh, I noticed that the live photos that I put into into that also moved around a bit, right? So in in the iMovie, the actual, you know, you get the Ken Burns effect, but you also get the animation from the live movie, the live... Uh live picture effect. It's all kind of cool stuff happening in, in iOS 13. You know, some weirdness. And, and, I, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's super buggy. I, I've I've not had, like, any showstoppers, you know, in terms of uh, things. I mean, I've been kvetching about the things that are driving me crazy about it because they're, they're making me change the way I do things. But other than that, I mean, I've been pretty happy with the update. What do you think, Mark? Uh, I haven't noticed any issues, so that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. That's good because, you know, ironically, since I was trying to actively avoid 13 until waiting to see what, what everybody else was doing and how it was performing in the wild, um, iOS 12 has has been doing weird stuff lately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, my, jealous. My, my phone would, like, like it would unlock, but I couldn't swipe up the um, the notification center. I was like, what? Oh, really? I can interact with anything on that screen. You know, in this case, I was playing a podcast. And I was able to pause it at the very least, but I literally, no combination of, you know, uh, lock the phone, unlock the phone again, tried to, you know, like, oh, maybe like a weird accelerometer thing is, is out of whack. You know, shake the phone around, just do all sorts of stuff. I had to reboot the phone in order to get it to be happy again. Just gotten some confused state. 
where it's like, yes, you can unlock. No, you can't swipe up on the notification center. Like an animal. Right? It's, it's, it's bananas. I'm like, how, how did I hit this particular case? I don't know, but I can't, I can't live in the, uh, the supposedly more solid world of iOS 12 for much longer if it's already doing that to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, what do you guys think of Xcode 11? Well, that's an interesting story. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, well, what are you going to talk about now? I, I found an interesting interesting scenario that uh, I was telling a colleague about this at work today. So device tracker, as we know, we looked at it last week, and, and I noticed that one of the one of the titles was black on blue, which is supposed to be white on blue. Uh, at least it has been in, in all the previous iterations of iOS. And I just noticed this on iOS 13. So I went in... I assumed it was dark mode was was acting up, and um, so I was trying to figure out how to how to opt out of that. And um, so, what I long story short, in that what I discovered it was actually my my bad coloring of the the title case in um, in the storyboard was was, was the problem. It wasn't dark mode at all. But I had loaded up because it was dark mode. I thought, well, let me load up in iOS 11 or Xcode 11 and see what the deal was. And I can't get the app to compile. Now, keep in mind, it's an Objective C app mostly. Right? There's a couple of uh, Swift files, but they're so they're so minimal that they that they could be three, four, or five in terms of which Swift are written in. So they're and they're you know they're they're not not they're not that matter of fact. But like the main part of the app is written in Objective C. And I thought that's weird. And I looked at it, and it was complaining about an non-existent selector that was left in the app from like you know four years ago or five years ago i have to go back into the code to figure out what what was the actual method did because it doesn't exist anymore and yet if i go into 10.21 again objective c it compiles so weird that i xcode 11 is looking at objective c differently than xcode 10 does well have you tried deleting your drive data folder yes and i've also turned turned off the new build um you know, using the legacy build to see if that makes a difference but yeah it's 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 just weird that 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 I mean I guess they're being a little bit more scrutiny using more scrutiny in the compiler in, in eleven but because it, it shouldn't have compiled before I mean if, theoretically if if this selector was was missing all this time you know like I've gone back into the into the previous commits and oh, I, oh in eleven it's missing it's missing in ten as well but it compiles yeah. right because remember oh, so, Objective C is like a Russian tank you start it and it just keeps going right yeah yeah so there's probably just some warning is now a uh, an error. Right. Oh. That happens. Every, that happens in every version of Xcode. They make more things, warnings, and more warnings, errors. Right. Oh, there's been lots of deprecations. That's for sure. I mean, like I've been, yeah. I've been cleaning up uh, errors, you know, warnings for, for the last couple of months as I as I've been going through the betas. Right. But yeah, it's weird. Hmm. Weird. Overall, I'm, I'm loving the uh, the editing capabilities. I really like the ability to add multiple editing windows right. in parallel. That's that's amazing. Right. I have a pretty nice monitor at work, or pretty large monitor, right. and and I can just make a huge Xcode and have multiple editing windows. It's really, really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, one thing though that's driving me nuts is is and this has been a continuing thing. It's is that debugging is becoming impossible. Really? Yeah. Now, well, actually, let me ask: Have have you guys noticed this, uh, or is it maybe just something to do with my local environment? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you when you hit a breakpoint, it will stop at the breakpoint, but I'll get a, a spinner for like thirty seconds before I get to a uh, the the console window is available. You know where the stack shows up. Yeah, yeah. And then and then single stepping takes a ridiculously long. 
long time. It takes like 10 seconds to do a single step. Wow. So it's basically impossible to debug. So I've, I've had weird things like that. There's one bug. There's actually one bug in 10 that I was hoping goes away too, in 10.21. And, and I noticed it was a bug that's been reported many, many times. And this is, if I'm, if I open up an app and I work for, work in it for a bit, or if, I, if I've left it open and I go to could do a comparison, like for committing, mm-hmm. the, it says it can't load the previous commits. I have to quit Xcode and open it back up again to re- reload whatever it is that, that allows it to, to look at these two different versions. It's almost like Git diff doesn't work. Are you using CocoaPods? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Uh, is the thing you're looking at inside a pod? No, no. Okay. No, generally not. But but yeah, it's, it's weird. I looked on, I looked on, I went to, you know, the, the source of all knowledge, Stack Overflow, and, um, you know, the, the the record of truth, or what do you call it? The, the record of, book of record uh, for all things, you know, Stack Overflow. That's a joke. You know, guys are laughing. But um, it's not funny if I have to explain it. You know that, right? Um, anyway, uh, is Jaime falling asleep or what? <laughs> no, I just don't have anything to, to, to add. It feels really weird because I'm sometimes, like... Sometimes it's not funny just because it's not funny. To okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. Yes, that's true. No, that, that, is, that is also a book of record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I went back and I checked the, that other people have been having this issue for a number of versions of, of Xcode 10, including betas. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if that one goes away. But yeah, I have I have noticed some some weird things, but I, I'm not spending, I'm not day-to-day in Xcode 11 yet, though, Mark, right? Like, are you mm-hmm. are you fully mm-hmm. invested in it, or are you just playing I am today? now. Yep. yep. Oh, okay. I am because my work computer automatically updated itself. Oops. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you use, are you using the App Store versions of uh, yeah, Xcode? I am. Yeah, yeah, I've stopped. I didn't use, I haven't been using those for many, many years, right? I've been always going and getting the, the version from uh, the downloads page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I've been independent of the Mac, the mass, as I like to call it, Mac App Store. Yeah, because I, I, cause the thing was like, you know, um, I like to have the flexibility to go back and forth between different OSs. In fact, what I found out was interesting when I mentioned earlier about the uh, the Swift version in these apps is that if you have a Swift 3 file, right, in your app, you cannot convert it in Xcode 10 or 11. You have to go back to Xcode 9 to convert it to 4. Mm, interesting. And, and you remember we had that, it, it supported 3 and 4 at the same time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I I just kind of went weird. So just so happened to have a copy of Xcode nine handy. And, well, actually, you know what I did was I thought, well, this the, the changes here are so minor. Let me just go and, and and see if it'll run anyway. So I just went and raised the environment to to four on these apps. And sure enough, like I said, there was so little Swift in these these files, or so little. You know, I wasn't doing any major gymnastics with them that uh, that they just converted to four and five without without too much too much effort, right? So they were able to build. By the way, did, I. I just remembered there is something I meant to pot, put into the notes, and I forgot to, but it was a tweet that I saw the other day, and, and uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. But do you know, Mark, in 11, if you command, if you hold the command key down and you, and you go over that little mini, you know, the mini mini viewer is, the mini, yeah. 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 As you scroll up and down that, the, the mm-hmm. names of the uh, methods will pop out, mm-hmm. and yeah. you can jump right to those methods. In, yeah, in that's the, kind of the only way that it's useful, actually, because <laughs> otherwise, well, otherwise it's just too small. You can't see anything. 
anything. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, it's like a little mini rendered uh, thing. But yeah. yeah, just I thought this I, this tip was cool. I also fact. do like the way they've rearranged the uh, the version control views. Yeah, uh, they there's nothing new. They've just rearranged it. So now going between the comparison view is just a toggle on and off, mm-hmm. and you can select the author or the blame view uh, inside the actual editor. Oh, really? Okay, so cool. each editor can have its own little one. Uh, you, you know, you can show you can show the authors, and that's independent of, of the comparison view. Yeah, well, nice. I'm just I'm starting up Xcode 11 here just to see what you're talking about. Pretty quick too. I don't know if you've noticed that. Mm-hmm. Like I just clicked on while you were talking there. I just clicked on it to open it, and and I'm working on a 2013 Mac, right? So it's nothing nothing great news. So I'm just going to click mm-hmm. on this file. So what were you saying? So if I'm looking at the version, yeah. So uh, hold on, oh. let me open it so I can. So where do you it. where do you find so, the okay? So blame look guys. in the upper right where the where the uh, yeah. The, so the, so the blame thing appears to be gone, right? There's yeah. that toggle so there. Th- the three little buttons here, no. Yeah, but it's not actually gone. Uh-huh. Uh, what you do now is you go to uh, hold on a second. You go down to this is like the, just have to interject here. This is like the time I was talking to a Korean friend of mine, not not Greg, but another one in a bar when I first got my iPhone, and I said, "Oh yeah," and you know you can put Korean on this phone, and you can you can have the font appear in Korean, and you can have all the language refer- referred to in Korean. He's like, "Oh yeah, really? Show me." So I did, and I changed my phone to Korean. And then I right. then I said I said yeah. See, and he goes, "Yeah, oh well, yeah, that's, that's Korean, all right." And then I said I said, "Well, how do I switch it back?" He goes, "He goes, I don't know. I don't speak Korean." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So select the text file. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Now you see the thing on the right that you're just talking about, right? Uh, no, it's gone. Where'd it go? Oh, so I no, I've got I've got the version control turned on. I want to turn that off. Okay. Um, so, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. You have to turn it off. Okay, you, I've got the ribbon thing. Yeah. I forget what it's called. Yeah. 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 So now up at the just above the ribbon thing, see, there's a little plus it looks thing? like a little text thing. No, not there. Oh yeah, yeah. Adjust editor Tap options. On that. Adjust editor options. It says, yeah. Ooh, I can show authors. Yeah. Cool. Well, unfortunately, they're all written by me though. <laughs> Might come across a Mark Rubin, but not not likely. Yeah, it depends on which. Yeah, it's not this is, app. Right? Cool. Well, yeah, but if we were ever remote working, you would have been using my computer to to, uh, to edit anyway. Oh, it's interesting. I can it can actually read the names of uh, what is it? What is this? Uh, oh, it's interesting. You know the the pragma marks. You can actually read them. It makes it the font slightly lar- larger. Yeah, I just noticed that too. That's Another reason to cool. use pragma works. Yeah. yeah, that makes it a little bit more useful. Cool. This wasn't going to be a show about Xcode, by the way, folks. Why not? you're driving at home. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying. Just saying. Oh, here, I've got a breakpoint here. Well, like, mind you, I can't get this app to compile. So we can't use this one to, as an example. This is the app that I was telling you that I can't compile. Yeah. yeah. Some of these files were written in 2010, again, for those of you driving at home. Started back then. Cool. Yeah, lots of lots of neat little things in Xcode 11. Xcode, I'm, yeah, so I'm liking Xcode 11, except for the debugging, which, yeah. you know, which is pretty annoying. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't. I don't know. Actually, maybe some of, some of the viewers could or listeners could uh, could chime in with their experiences. Sure. I don't know if this is something particular to the project that I'm working in, because mm. uh, it is a pretty complicated project with a bunch of dependencies and pods and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that might have something to do with it. Right. Uh, I'd be curious to hear what other people are experiencing. Right. By the way, folks, we're still in the middle of follow up. <laughs> So we have one last follow-up <laughs> item here, and that is, and this this is this is comes out of the category of eventually everything's follow-up. Uh, this is our follow-up on the other app store. If you'll remember back from season number one, I think episode three. Mm. Um, there's a new app store in town called Alt Store. Now I don't know much about it because I just found out about it like maybe an hour before the show. But I've got a page, the, well, the page here. It's altstore.io. It says "Welcome to the Alt Store," and they claim that they've got this new paradigm for installing apps. 
works by you run. I guess you run an alt serve alt server on your Windows or Mac device, and you're able to install apps that they're maintaining somehow. Um, mm. Similar to I guess how Setup works on the Mac, where um, in, I still I'm still running Setup by the way. Uh, you you pay so much per month for Setup, and then uh, they have this curated set of apps, which are apps are available freely available on the App Store or through uh, developer websites. But um, they kind of like clean my Mac is is, is uh, Paul, is it Paul, what's the name of the people who run this cell app setup thing? Um, I guess it's similar to that, but but for iOS. Have you guys heard anything about this or seen this at all? I'm looking at the website right now, it doesn't really doesn't give tell you any much, information except the download link. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder how long this is going to exist. Well, they claim without jailbreaking, right? So right, right, right. So. They might be using some kind of MDM type solution or managed oh, device. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's in the gray area of legality. Well, it'll be interesting, folks, to see how long these guys are around for but for now they're they're there yeah. so yeah. And I'm sure that maybe there's, is there, is there maybe there's some sort of environment because I mean, how, what's their what's their pricing model? Can developers join their group as well, right? So strange, but it's just it's weird that it came up. Maybe it's a Russian website or something that's you know trying to steal money or oh. infect your your uh, phone with viruses. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, they've got this. This Russian prince has five million dollars that I can get access yeah. to. Or is it only their apps that are being installed? Uh, I don't know, but there's a rail name here, Riley Testut. I'm not sure. Maybe he's the owner well to find out more about it i just again i just yeah. stumbled across it today know nothing about it other than that but that's it so i guess we can move on to the uh the main part of the show which we've covered some of this stuff already but uh, interesting here that uh um the first one here i've got is uh talking about the toy hall of fame finalists and uh, un- unlike what the the uh, headline says here in this link from the associated press so i saw this in another paper but it's interesting that the smartphone along with the Care Bear, some Fisher-Price toys, Masters of the Universe, the game Risk, uh, My Little Pony, Jenga, and Max Force, or Madhorn, I don't know who that is, and Matchbox Cars, which are, you know, I guess the American version of Corgi. Is it American Matchbox? I don't, I don't know. But yeah, yeah and, and Ma- Nerf Matchbox. Blaster. Hmm? Yep, Matchbox Cars, like Hot Wheels. Is yeah, okay, they're, they're yeah, yeah. But and Corgi and, and Dinky Toy are, are uh, British ones that I'm familiar with. But yeah, just the, the the smartphone itself is is, is going under the. Uh, my, I'm sure my, grand, my grandkids will attest to this, but uh, yeah, going into the uh, the toy possible candidates for toy hall of fame. Cool. All right. It's a little uh, strange, but at the same time, it kind of makes sense when you think about how pervasive gaming is now in the modern smartphone era than it ever yeah. was before. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I guess are like PlayStation and, and Xbox in the Toy Hall of Fame? I, I don't know much about it. I'm sure, I'm sure they are. But anyway, it um, doesn't say anywhere about casting your balance. But uh, yeah, so in the, last, in the next two tips, uh, these are kind of two together. Um, the first one the, the first one says upgraded to iOS 13. Here, start with these eight tips. Um, the next one is uh, uh, 25 tips, actually, on um uh, new things in iOS 13. So I'll just we'll just quickly skim through uh, some of them. We talked about dark mode. One of the cool things about dark mode is you can press and hold on the brightness setting, and at the bottom of the screen, you'll see that you can turn true tone, night shift, and you can turn dark mode on and off right from the what do you call that control screen? What's that overlay called? Control panel? Control control center? Right? I believe it's control center. Yeah, it probably says in the text if I just read. Yes, control center. Um, and then as we mentioned before, you can turn on the uh, you can set the uh, dark mode to uh, 
to uh, work uh, based on autom- automatic, based on, and you can set the time when the dark and light. Uh, you can do it with sunrise to sunset, as I mentioned before, but you can also create your own custom time for when when uh, dark mode will kick in. Uh, the volume HUD has a new overlay, um, and I think this applies to AirPods as well. Uh, you'll see, like a like when you're adjusting the volume, you now get a, a graphic which kind of shows you uh, with a much wider view, similar to what you see in the control center. Um, you can now download files in Safari, which I actually had to do today. I'm able to test um, locations. Oh, one of the cool things I think is if you press, if you go to the control center and you press and hold, you know that that area where you get the um, uh, you get the airplane mode, the Bluetooth mode, um, cellular mode, I guess. And uh, but if you press and hold on that square, um, and then you cl- you click on the Wi-Fi icon, you get a new. Um, no, is it not working for me now? You get the ability to choose a Wi-Fi network from the control center now. So if you're if you're coming That's into great. a zone where you're not automatically connected to one, you can choose one. Like like I do this every day. I get on the subway, and the subway has has Wi-Fi in Toronto on the main line. Um, and so I switch over to their internet while I'm waiting for a train to come. Right. And it used to be that you had to, you know had to go into system settings. You had to click on the Wi-Fi icon. And you had to you had to like do three or four clicks to get to this level, and then the train would arrive. Right. <laughs> but so now I can immediately, as soon as I get into the station, just you know use this this, uh, this shortcut to get in there. Well, the flashlight has a new uh, control as well. If you press and hold, yeah, it's long, got the you same, do long press, yeah, yeah, it's got the same kind of concept as the volume control where you do, where you slide up, right, up and down. I hate to say this, but I think that was in iOS 12 as well. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I can try. How many can try that one out? But uh, yeah, and the new copy, cop, cut, copy, and paste gestures, which I talked about uh, for you know using the three finger pull and as a way to cut. I think the three fingers and three finger pinches will cut the text um, to do that, right? Uh, new undo and redo gestures. I'm still shaking my phone to undo, but you don't have to do that anymore. Um, there's a new formatting bar that's appearing as well. I'm just going to whip through some of these things here, some of the ones that really caught. Oh, the photo editor is really nice in, in iOS 13. This is on iPad and iPhone. You can adjust brightness and the shadows, highlights. You can adjust cropping. Um, you can adjust a number of things. Uh, you can apply filters, like custom filters yourself, based on, on each photo. Um, you can trim live photos as well. And, vi- and video editing right in the Photos app is really kind of cool. I'm going to skip that next one because I don't know anything about it because I'm not a girl. Um, what else? This is cool. Oh, you can turn off. You can turn off. This is comes back to the Bluetooth thing we we're talking about. This app is to show you can actually go into the Bluetooth Bluetooth panel and turn off Bluetooth on specific apps as well. So if you forgot to turn that off, if you just okayed the the message to get it out of the way, you can save um, favorites uh, locations in Maps now. So if you want to go from work to home and although you always had work, you can find your parked car that kind of thing. Um, you can add favorites in there, which is kind of cool. Um, let's see. Navigation stuff, we'll skip that. I was kind of curious about the um, the new uh, editing panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how I talked well about that, yeah. It works, because it was like, okay, I get that the, the shortcut gesture probably doesn't work too well, because I've also had trouble with, like, shortcut gestures like that. But how does the sort of tapability of using that new editing panel work? Does it, does it seem pretty good? You mean, like, the little thing with the pen and the markers I was talking about before? For markup? Uh, no, no, not the markup. Let me let me get the specific. Is, is it? Number 31 is what I was talking about with the toggling Wi-Fi and Bluetooth from Control Center. That's that one. No. Um, I'm just I'm following up on what I was saying earlier. The battery, uh, number, battery number health six is cool. on the on the iPhone Hex article. Sorry, which one? These new cut, cut, copy, and paste gestures, and it shows like a little like a little panel to or and and then number eight is sort of related to it. The new formatting bar. Like from the screen, it looks kind of small, but it's kind of hard to tell like how that 
that sort of lines up with um, thumb size. Mm-hmm. I heard something Enjoy interesting it. today. It was just somebody was posting a slide on on LinkedIn, and it said, um, "Good developers copy, great developers paste." No, nothing from you guys are like <laughs> dead to the world today. I'm telling you, nothing. You should have heard the pause, folks, which I'll probably edit out. Um, what was I saying? Uh, oh, I'm way past where I was going. Yeah, I'm going to skip all the emoji. emoji. You, you can custom custom make your emoji. Who cares? Um, oh, automatically close Safari tabs is nice. You can after a month, you can have it uh, close your your tabs if you leave them open. I tend to leave a lot of them open. Uh, that's one. Oh, the battery battery health. This is cool. We were talking about this the other day at work. Um, there's been a lot of issues with battery. You can actually tell it when you're charging the battery to to top it off at like 86 percent because apparently there's some issue with keeping your battery charged at 100 percent all the time like if you always have it plugged in or always sitting on your key charger um you can have it set to 86 percent so it never really fully charges which is apparently better for the health of the battery um and you get a much better graphic in terms of your activity and and uh, how long it's been uh, doing and you can turn on automized battery charging as well which is nice yeah app store stuff Let's see. There's like 50 things in this article. It's crazy. It goes on for days. Bookmarks. Unzip files now. Oh, you can create folders in, in um, the, you know, the file section of your phone. You can actually create a folder now of your own instead of having to use the application folders that are prevent, presented for you. You can do full page screenshots in Safari, which I haven't tried yet. Didn't even know about that. Oh, the share sheet. Okay, here. Don't get me started on a share sheet because I'm not a big fan of the share sheet. Have you tried that out, Mark? I have not. Yeah, There's so... A new, a new share sheet? Yeah, it's quite so. You click on it, which oh. Oh, there are some nice things. Like if you airdrop to the same to, to people near you, you'll see their names pop up in the sort of short list across the top. You can still choose airdrop messages, mail, reminders, whatever notes. Those are sort of defaults. You can change which ones are there. But as you scroll down, copy is sort of there. But then there's like I'm looking at this one particular ex- instance where there's like download video, download YouTube, download YouTube MP3. That would be nice, Jaime, if I could do that today. Uh, Insta save, make PDF. Some on the context of yeah. what you're doing, but the share sheet changes and gives you a bunch of ops, and, and you can choose which apps appear in that that menu across the sliding the, the sideways sliding collection view that I was talking about earlier. You can choose those to go across there. That's uh, tip number forty nine in this thing. Um, oh, and you can save screenshots to files instead of to your photos, which is I guess it's nice for for not cluttering up your photos with your photo library with screenshots. That's nice too. But those are the best tips from this is from Phone Hacks. Uh, oh, this com. is interesting. Have you tried this no paywall thing? No, uh, no. Where's that one? What number okay, is that? Okay, so go to Safari. Go to Safari. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what number it is. I'm just. I was playing around with the, the share sheet. Go to okay. Safari. Yeah. Uh, and open open the share sheet. Okay. And then scroll all the way to the bottom of the share sheet. Mm-hmm. Of these options. Oh, look, no paywall. Wow. No paywall. Thanks, Tap Apple. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's going into this outline outlining mode where I guess it's pulling out whatever is available that, mm-hmm. without the paywall and making it a, a nice viewable, readable. Form. That's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, interesting to see if that works, right? <laughs> well, so I'm going to go to a site that I know about. It's a news site that is always spamming me with emails that I then I tap on it and it hit a paywall all the time. Really? You can probably guess which one it is. Does uh, it end so with journal? See. Uh, <laughs> no, times? not that particular one, but but it's one of them. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm doing our local version of that because okay. uh, that one's just as bad. Uh, and it seems to be, well, I should find an actual, should find one of the 
actual articles that they send me or the emails that they send but I haven't deleted. By the way, real-time follow-up. The person who did the presentation at the keynote that we talked about, or the, the, the event back in September, I just found his name is Greg Joswiak. We called him Jaws in the conversation, but his name is Greg Joswiak. And I, I just stumbled across it playing around with Safari here. Anywho. Yeah, I mean, so Jaws cool. seems like an okay nickname if you think yeah. of uh, the former, I want to say, Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL quarterback, Ron Jaworski, uh, that they call Jaws. Well, this is the name is very similar to Wozniak, right? It's Jawsweak, right? So that's, we call Woz, W-O-Z, right? When it's W-O-S, right? And this guy's name is W-J-O-S-W-I-A-K. So Woz and Jaws, I guess he's the new, he's the new Jaws over at Apple. So unfortunately, this doesn't work for that, uh, that website. It, it uh, when I hit the no paywall thing, it just comes up with a screen that says not supported. We're sorry, but this URL is not supported by Apple. <sighs> Oh, well. Yeah, I get similar things like that with that other tool we were using before. I forget what it's called um, to do the no paywall thing, but that that does happen. I've seen that. Um, I also get these. It's funny when you, I use a, a bunch of um, paywall blockers or, or ad blockers, and I often go to websites where they they go, "Please turn your ad blocker off so we can make some money." You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Anywho, uh, Jaime, you're up next with some. Uh, Apple says it'll make a Mac Pro in Texas. Oh, did I just give away the lead? I mean, it's <laughs> it's more or less what the story. Is there's not a ton to this story here, mm-hmm. just that uh, rather than manufacturing the Mac, the newer Mac Pro in uh, the China, new cheese grater, yeah, the new cheese grater Pro is going to be manufactured or at least final assembled. It's, it's always unclear precisely where it falls in that line, um, but that'll be done in Austin, Texas, in the USA. Apparently, cool. uh, Apple was able mm-hmm. to get some uh, uh, tariff um, breaks, I guess, right. or, or exemptions more specifically from the current administration, so um, they're not going to be hit on this particular product by those uh, ongoing China and USA trade war uh, tariff sort of things going on. So here's a branding question for you guys, right? When you saw the title said Mac Pro, did your mind think of the black cylinder monolith or the new cheese grater Mac Pro? Cheese grater. Really? Mm. Yep. My, as soon as I saw Mac Pro, my, my brain just filled in with the black cylinder. And then when I saw the picture of, of Tim Cook and that guy who quit, Johnny Ive. But it said But it says new right in front of it. No, no. So. The, oh, yes, it does say new Mac Pro, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, you know, I guess it's, I guess the scars are, are they run deep. Yeah, I guess so. Run deep. <laughs> I mean, it was around for a long time, right? That that particular style. So, you know, we haven't really gotten to the point at which people have these Mac Pros out and about in the field in yeah. enough quantity for you to have like physically seen one on multiple occasions. So it well, kind of makes sense. Like, I, I get what you're saying. Like the I can see why you would sort of stick in your brain, you know, as the first mental flash you see when you, you see. Although the, the original cheese grater was also called Mac Pro, if you remember, right? The uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, the the before tens, the two K Mac Pro. Yeah, all right. Got another story for us there, Jaime? Yeah, this one also gets dangerously close to politics, but we'll keep it pretty much non political. So mm-hmm. you may or may not have seen on the interwebs that a um, oh yes, a bit of stuff went on with Chef. Um, so Chef is the uh, system administration tool. I might be misrepresenting it, but that's sort of roughly what it is for this particular circumstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also beyond just being an open source tool, it's got a company related to it that 
uh, you know, makes money off of stuff like okay. contracts. And in this right. case, I contract with the uh, ICE, uh, that's ICE mm-hmm. uh, department within the, uh, the U.S. administration. Uh, and just given what's going on there, it, uh, it's kind of understandable that some of its uh, employees, current and former, would uh, say, hey, like, I don't know that I want my, uh, my code to be associated with that. Mm-hmm. And very similar to what ended up happening to NPM, if you remember the kick left pad thing that happened a few years ago where somebody uh, pulled their um, their third-party library from a repository and it caused all sorts of chaos as stuff right. broke. Right. That happened here too. Apparently, Chef had a thing that's called Sugar. Do they describe here? Let's pretend it's called Sugar because I'd read it somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this plugin that's like apparently very useful, very common for Chef users. This person pulled that code out of the repo and chaos ensued as all sorts of scripts and stuff broke. So mm-hmm. uh, ops and system administrators and DevOps folks had a very, very awful day around that time. Uh, sort of subsequent to this, um, Chef had originally come out and said, like, hey, you know, it's hard for us to pick and choose. We're not really doing this off of money, blah, blah, blah. We're going to continue the contract. And then like a day or two later, they said, you know what? We're, we're not going to continue this contract anymore. It's just not worth the the, has- the hassle because of all the, the outcry from them employees. Wow. So there's a lot to unpack here. I think the, the two main ones that come up into mind are one, um, third-party stuff and controlling your own stack is super important. I mean, this is the second time that this kind of thing where somebody has removed something from a repository has broken builds and stuff. So whether it's NPM or Chef or you're using CocoaPods or any other thing that might depend on some other thing that you don't have control of, I think, um, you know, limiting your your exposure where possible in terms of not using third-party stuff is is good. But where it's not feasible, uh, doing things like, for example, cloning repositories and stuff to make sure that you're building off of your copy at the very least. Yes, it adds extra management overhead, but it does reduce the likelihood that this sort of thing will blow you up. So in, in this case, and the one about the Node, Node.js guy who pulled this thing from NPM, um, the the developer who, did the, who pulled the code is not an employee of Chef, as you're saying, right? So it's not like they could say, well, you're touching our stuff, right? He's a, this is a third-party dependency kind of thing, right? I believe so. It was... And it's, it's, it looks like it's open. it was open source. So he yeah, may or may not have written this stuff while he was an employee. It's it's right. not clear. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it's stuff that was open sourced under his name. So right, not much right. the company, and he's not an employee anymore, so there's not much the company can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and people were bringing up weird sort of um, license related things. Uh, there is no open source license out there, just to be really clear, that requires you to host something, right? It has responsibilities about, you know, disclosures and um, distribution of source and that sort of thing, um, uh, providing copies and stuff, but it never has one that like, Hey, like this license requires you to continue to host this thing forever. Right, so right. I th- think, uh, regardless of what you feel sort of on the political reason side, like there was no obligation for this individual to keep their source code up, uh, and available for anybody to use. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all seen that about time over time, you know, people go off and get a job, another job or get a day job or decide to go flip burgers for a living. Um, stuff disappears. Yeah. And, and you, you, if you want to use it, you got to fix it yourself or, or write something similar yourself, right, over time. Third-party dependencies, right? Yep. All right, we have arrived at our picks section of the show. And, Jaime, you got a couple of picks for us? 
couple picks. First one is a blog post and a source code repository by a friend of the show and longtime patron, uh, Sean Marston. So he's uh, talking here on his uh, warnings blog about uh, pretty much a recap of the content he covered in a very excellent five-minute lightning talk at iOS Dev UK in Aberystwyth. Mm-hmm. And um, it sort of covers the use case of like, okay, so you've you've got this app out there, maybe you're using it in beta, and you really want to make it easier for your beta users to report bugs. But it's a real hassle because like, all right, they have to, you know, even with something like iOS 13, I've got to take a screenshot, i got to mark up the photo, but then, oh, like, which operating system were you using? What device were you on? What version of the app were you on? Like, there's all sorts of stuff that's like a real hassle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he shows here just a real easy way that you can listen for the, uh, programmatically listen for the screenshot notification and capture that and use that with your own sort of home rolled, like, you know, let me take stats about, you know, what version of the app was being used here and what sort of context was this in. Make it super simple to compose a email that can be sent by your beta user back to you. Say, hey, like, I was doing this thing. I expected it not to crash, and it crashed. Hmm. And at the very tail end of the article, he has a link to the code on uh, on GitHub. It's pretty nice. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to see that this is a simple free solution because there are, there are companies and libraries out there that will charge you quite a bit to do exactly the same thing. I've used some of them in the past, and they don't do much more than this. <laughs> they'll, link, they'll link with Jira and stuff like that. But bah. Nice. Cool. What's next? Oh, wait. We already spoiled this one, sort of. Yeah, we, we, we teased this one. And if you're following us on uh, on Twitter in our uh, our omni-channel advertising strategy, I'm sure, um, you, you may have seen this. So uh, by the time this recording goes out, it will be almost time for Hacktoberfest 2019. So what is this? This is a promotion being run uh, in partnership by GitHub, uh, DigitalOcean, and uh, Dev, that's D-E-V, the sort of medium for programmers sort of community. Mm-hmm. This is, I don't remember how many years they've done this. I'm sure I could find out. It's like third or fourth year. It's a really cool way to get people who are new to open source, new to software development, just get them involved in the community. So the idea is that you sign up for this program. They've made it really easy for um, repository maintainers and project maintainers to add tags to their repo that says like, hey, you know, this is a really easy uh, first time contributor sort of problem or this is a, uh, a task that we'd love to do, but, you know, anybody could really do it and it'd be a, a good way to get your feet wet in terms of learning how code works, learning how working in the open source community works. And as a bonus, if you complete, uh, what did they say this year? Between October 1st and October 31st, if you have four pull requests that you make, um, and they do have to be legitimate ones, they can't be spam, uh, legitimate pull requests, even if it's something like, you know, fixing typos of the documentation, the mm. kind folks at GitHub, uh, DigitalOcean, and, and Dev will send you a nice T-shirt. And I've, I've done this for the last couple of years. Um, I have two really cool, really nicely done, well-designed, good quality T-shirts. And so I definitely encourage folks to, to take a look. Well, I have the link to sign up to that and find out about uh, events that may or may not be going on in your area. I know that there's an event going on in Seattle. I saw that there was one in Toronto. I know there's a few going on in London and uh, San Francisco area. So take a look at the website. Be in the show notes for those of you driving at home. 
So I have some questions. So I was just a mentor at a, at a hackathon on the weekend called, um, as part of Elevate Conference, which is happening in Toronto right now as we record. Um, but it was it's called the Elevate Tech Jam, which is a hackathon that runs on uh, Saturday and Sunday of last week, um, the 20th, let's say, of, of September. Um, in that case, you put together a team and you enter and you go and you sit at a conference table with a team of, you know, five to six developers or four to five, four to six developers, and you work on some tasks that are put together by the sponsors, and in this case, TD Bank, Rogers uh, Media, and Chorus, I think Media were there as well. Um, and you, you work on the project for the weekend. So is this similar to like a Nanaimo Rimo thing where you, you participate online, you sign up online, and you do it from the comfort of your own home kind of thing? Or, or are you putting together a team, or how does how does this work? Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. So it is closer to the, you can do it from the comfort of your own home in mm-hmm. your jammies mm-hmm. uh, you can do it as part of um, you know like a team if you have something that you're really excited about building um, it's a little bit different than like the like hackathons and other sort of events that, that you've participated in Tim where it's not like there isn't like a winner right there's it's not like a contest and it's mm-hmm. not around any particular theme other than you know join the open source community or or help somebody join the open source community right, um, right. there are of course events as I mentioned like for example looking here the Seattle area, there is one hosted by Circle CI and Pulumi, where they'll teach folks about what Oktoberfest is and introductions to Circle CI and Pulumi. And then for like, you know, an hour, hour and a half, they'll have people just sort of hacking on that stuff. And sort of presumably those individuals will go around helping others understand like, hey, I'm, I'm running into trouble here. How does this work? And and just really get people sort of involved. Right, right. So I clicked on the more, more, more events uh, link here, and it shows that there's uh, Oktoberfest things going on in, in Australia, you know, Perth and Melbourne, uh, some in Brazil, um, lots in Brazil, actually, uh, a couple in, in Canada, one in Quebec, City, or Trois-Rivières, one in Mon- Edmonton, one in Montreal, one in Toronto, hey, uh, Quebec City, uh, some in Chile, France, Germany, uh, lots in Germany, some in India, we've got them in um, Ireland, Ireland, Italy, yeah, Japan, Japan, Kenya, Mexico, Mexico like if, if, yeah. if you are a Nigeria. If you are a city out there, Poland. there's a pretty decent chance that there's one on this official list. There, I would say check all your other no, sort of normal uh, yeah. event and meetup group type things because there are other. I don't see the San Francisco one on here, but I, I must have seen it through some other. Oh, it's, 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 it's down below, I believe. Yeah, because you've got UK here, London, a couple in London, Manchester. There's one in Saint Petersburg in Russia, New York City, Memphis, Fort Worth, Salt Lake City, Chattanooga. Pardon me, voice is that Chattanooga? Choo Choo, Nashville, Atlanta, Akron, Louisville. Virtual event. Ooh, that was an interesting place. Uh, I wonder if they have a virtual president. Ann Arbor. Oh, there's Seattle there. It's uh, October 15th, Jaime. Was it Seattle you were saying? Yep. No. Mm-hmm. Salt Lake City. Yeah, there's lots of them. And Zambia as well. It's kind of crazy. Area. Yeah, I, I know I saw something. I must have seen like a tweet or something um, that somehow is it on this official list. And they actually do have um, an event kit. So if you're interested in mm. organizing your own meetup, there's stuff to to help you do that and um 
I would also mention that there are other companies that um, might participate sort of separately, even if they're not officially part of the uh, uh, Oktoberfest team. For example, last year, I uh, happened to come across something that uh, Microsoft was doing of like, you know, contribute to one of their repositories and, and get a different t-shirt. So I did. Hmm. I ended up finding uh, the Cortana skills documentation repository that uh, that needed some documentation love. So I was able to help for that. And I have a delightful t-shirt because of that. So I heard about their uh, their GitHub, and I see JavaScript, Python, Java, PHP, HTML, Go, C Sharp, C++, Ruby, and CSS. I don't see Objective-C, and I don't see Swift. I don't see Swift UI. Uh, are you talking about on the uh, hacktoberfest.digitalocean.com page? Mm. Or, or what are you looking at? Because there's a on, browse, more on, on browse more on GitHub. Yeah, yeah, I clicked there. So if you go on to... Oh, this looks a little bit different. So I, I was going to say languages on the left-hand side. Right. Maybe it's under advanced search and then i have to choose languages like swift so that's how i ended up doing it last year written yeah, in, this thing. in that list yep if you go to advanced in the the big monzo uh, list maybe we can put together an mtjc group intuit card parts uh swift island which is a, a conference i think in uh the netherlands or island this? app so if you go for the main page yeah. get browse more on github right and then on the under, um, under climate change or under how Hacktoberfest. Oh, uh, Hacktoberfest's um, the first list that has all these different languages and yeah. different yep. things. So you, you click on that, and if you click on the um, advanced search, so if you look on the left-hand side, there's the languages oh, list. Search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. it has the big one, advanced search, and then if you choose written in this language, which is like the fourth option down, oh, and you okay. look at Any the language, mega yeah. list. Yeah. Swift. Swift. Yeah. So now you're looking for that, and, and you can find stuff. Search. All sorts of good stuff. Oh, cool. So package manager. Okay. And these are... These yeah. Hacktoberfest projects? I mean, they're, they're ones that have been tagged by people to say, like, hey, you know, we're participating in Hacktoberfest. We've gotten um, issues that are, you know, uh, of the right caliber for people participating in Hacktoberfest. Like, mm-hmm. you know, generally more uh, newbie stuff. I don't imagine they'll be like, oh, completely re-architect the app to be a, a reasonable request so for So you just have to create a user story and then people hack away at it? Is that the idea? I mean, you could create your own... Uh, I mentioned for my previous pick that, uh, yeah. that Sean Marston has his, uh, his own... Uh, uh, his own little repo for the the example code. Um, if you said, "Hey, like, there's this cool thing that might be interesting," mm-hmm. I, I can't speak on Sean's behalf, but uh, you could certainly open up a pull request of like, "Hey, you know, fix some typos," or "Oh, made this work in iOS 11.1 or some other sort of thing that uh, it might need some mm-hmm. love." Well, here's one called "Replace RX Swift with Combine," um, and then there's one that used dynamic type and support dynamic type on a mentor detail screen. Yeah, I think we could come up with something, don't you think? Make a podcast. Um, app. I was talking Swift. about making an app. I know you ago. were. As, That's as what I'm a, saying. Well, here's our opportunity. Let's figure thing. out some user stories and get get the monkeys to make it for us. Not that you people are monkeys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of like you know the thousand monkeys typing eventually write a novel or a sentence or whatever it is. What was your idea, Mark? What were you, are you just talking generally about an app? Yeah, yeah. Remember, I had the idea a while back yeah. that we should have uh, as one of the ongoing topics for the show. We should sure. we should all build an app and talk about what we did each week. And sure. Contributed. That, that never happened. Uh-huh. iPhone 10s. Mac support. Well, how about that? Yeah, I think we could probably come up with something. Yeah, sounds interesting. I might, I might sign up just for, for the sake of uh, kicking the tires here, Hami, right? Yeah, I mean, if you are um, if you were going to do anything at all on GitHub during the month of October, if nothing else, you'll you get a free cool t-shirt out of it. 
you know, just make sure you <laughs> sign up for this program, <laughs> uh, not to make it about, um, extrinsic value. And right. if you're out there, you're wondering like, how do I get started in development? How do I get started sure. in open source? This is a really good way and a good time to get your feet wet. A lot of people giving attention to this. Um, I guess, you know, people out there who end up trying this, um, hit us up on, on Twitter, hashtag ask MTJC, tell us about your experience sure. or maybe even, um, granted you have limited opportunities to do this because this is a weekly show. Um, maybe you can even, you know, let us know about your repositories that you're looking for a little help with and uh, we can help uh, spread the word. Sure. Sure. All right, cool. So I think I kind of spoiled my own pick here as well, because I mentioned it earlier, um, again, getting, getting all my stuff mixed up, but yeah, this is, this one is just a link, uh, that, uh, Mac rumors just put together of all the videos that Apple's published for the new iPad OS on, uh, their YouTube channel. There's one here called how to use slide over multitask with split view. Another one called use text editing gestures. Again, which is, again, focus videos on these new features in in uh, in on the iPad iOS or sorry iPad OS. I'm doing rolling my eyes as I say that. Um, and how to use type faster on an iPad with Quick Path, which is that new you know shrink the keyboard down and use your finger to scrub across the keys instead of you know, hunting and pecking as some of us do. And some also and some also on the new iPad, uh, Apple Pencil features as well. Um, yeah. So and they've got a link to their dedicated iPad game or iPad guide. They say here. So yeah, check that out. So that's an interesting one. And um, my next pick is, this comes via our friend Marin Torov, who's been a co-host on the show. And uh, uh, it's funny that, that that he would post this, but uh, he's found uh, a link. He's linked, sent a link here from the Swift UI Lab um, talking about advanced UI, sorry, advanced Swift UI transitions. And so it shows like, you know, buttons fading in and out and, and the code behind that. Um, more uh, uh, interesting things like, uh, like buttons shrinking away, buttons moving across the screen, um, as well as, you know, iris opening up images and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really interesting uh, stuff like, you know, a, um, a view coming, sliding in like like the scroller in Star Wars kind of effect. Uh, um, pictures, you know, transitioning from one image to another using, you know, different effects like similar to um, the old uh, PowerPoint-y kind of things, you know, with with, with uh, like, like opening up and closing like Venetian blinds or, or those old billboards so yeah if you're interested in of course you are interested in swift ui why would you get this far into the podcast without knowing about it um and uh, yeah check out these uh, different effects and this i'll have a link in the show notes for this one nothing crickets i think well i haven't <laughs> so the reason i couldn't participate too much in oh, the yes. earlier xcode yes. 11 um discussion is i haven't really focused on ios development that much for the past mm-hmm. month or so uh with the job change that we've we've mentioned so uh developer advocate now which means i sort of polyglot when it comes to you know all sorts of different languages and stuff that i'll have to uh, to deal with and and be at least you know vaguely familiar with um so i haven't really messed a whole lot with uh, xcode 11 recently um uh, swift ui is definitely top of mind of like wow i definitely need to get with that and and combine sit down and and really hammer out through some of this stuff mm-hmm. but i do think um it's sort of a a meta thing that for folks who are kind of wondering, like, how can I, you know, jump on this, this train, right? So the iOS business has been going on for more than 10 years now. And mm-hmm. I've definitely heard from a lot of uh, newer folks and newer to software development folks that they're, they're pretty intimidated. And I think, you know what, this is actually a really, a really good time because I think very similar to the way that um, Swift sort of brought some new blood and brought us uh, a whole bunch of folks that are are now people I could probably name and I won't 
don't just to not call them out because mm-hmm. it seems a little weird. Um, but there are definitely people that you say, wow, I know who those people are and I can name them because in my opinion, because Swift existed as of 2014, right? right like, otherwise, right. if it was just, you know, still objective C, you'd, you'd sort of still have the old guard of folks and it'd be crowding out, you know, um, any sort of new ideas, new discussion. I think Swift UI has a real good chance of, and, and combined has a really good chance of doing the same. So if you're out there wondering, like, how can I newbie do conference talks? How can I do blog posts and podcasts and uh, YouTube videos and stuff like, I think this is a pretty good opportunity because everybody um, out there is a super newbie when it comes to Swift UI, even the people who have mm-hmm. like written books and done other things. Like there are some people who are very good at, at picking up technology. They pick it up really quickly, but unless you're getting something from like the handful of people who actually developed this at Apple, everybody is, you know, pretty much on the same level playing field. So kind of going in the same drum beat about Hacktoberfest. If, uh, if you wanted to start doing even just experimental stuff, uh, in your own repositories, working with a friend or something, doing Swift UI stuff, combined stuff. I think paying attention to this and doing that will give you an opportunity to sort of get your face out there and, and get known. And I'm really excited to see that there will be some new faces of like, oh yeah, like I had never heard of this person before. And now like they are the rock star. Like look at this person who's done all this cool stuff with Swift UI. Looking forward to that. Only vaguely related to this article other than like, oh, that looks really cool. I didn't know you could do that with just like three lines of code. By the way, there is one more thing I forgot about about this, but I just uh, found the link to it. Let me grab it. URL. This is um, different than anything we talked about today. Hang on. Here it comes. In the spirit of uh, Greg Hio shadow picks. Yeah. Getting a live link here. So I read this one, uh, this article yesterday or the day before. um, Yeah, it must have been the day before. uh, Called Transforming Operators in Swift Combine Framework. Map versus Flat Map versus Switches to Lot Latest. Uh, Just thought it was interesting some of the things you can do. uh, And this talks about about, it may have been pointed out to me by Marin. I'll, I'll give him credit for this one again. Um, about the difference with uh, in Combine, as I understand it, um, you are working with publishers as opposed to just straightforward objects, right? So um, you can transform publishers using flat map. You can't do it with map, uh, if I, as I read this, right? Um, so you can you can convert things uh, in Combine. It's just an interesting thing. It's a short read. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to scan it real quick. I'll wait. Oh, I see. I'm not super familiar with Combine, but just knowing what little I do of, you know, of map and uh, mm-hmm. the same flat map, it, it seems quite appropriate. And uh, Switch to Latest is actually pretty well named because I kind of guessed what it was going to be based on the name. And in browsing this, it looks like it does kind of what you would you would expect based on the name. This is interesting. So, yeah. So, it, it, it tell me if I'm wrong here, Tim, but it looks like they're talking about how... Uh, with map, you can just sort of nicely perform operations on on everything that yeah, comes each through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, flat yeah. map, kind of like a, like like true map, as I like to say, true compact map um, is the one that says, "Is this nil? All right, whatever. Just move on with your life." You know, mm-hmm. I'll just skip that particular one and uh, switch to latest. Will give you the um, latest and greatest thing, like an example of the latest and greatest network request response, even if things came out of order. Does that sound right? I briefly yeah, I mean, it, well, uh, briefly in here that that um, the flat map um, can tr- transforms publishers into a brand new, a completely new publisher. Um, 
which you could then subscribe to, I suppose. What do you think, Mark? So, yeah, so flat, so so Map just um, operates on something. Like each it, member it of an array runs through a map, right? Sorry, yeah, it just applies to each element of, of an array, exactly. But flat map uh, lets you pull out, if, if you have a hierarchical structure, mm-hmm. it, you can pull stuff out in, into a single level thing. So say you have uh, just a general flat map would be, say you had, say you mapped over a set of tuples, right? And you want to convert that into just a single list. Right. Uh, where each one is on its own level. Uh, sorry, each one is on the same level instead of being hierarchical inside the tuples. That's what flat map does. That's different than compact map, which was oh. the, the mills. That's why they split. Remember, compact map used to be flat map. Right. And yeah. then they split them out. So, okay. So now for the particular case here of using it for a publisher, I have to see exactly why they're doing it. So, so you reach into the inner publisher to get its elements is what it's saying. All right. Well, we can leave this for the viewers to paw it. <laughs> the danger of the shadow fix. I was completely, completely wrong and unprepared to, uh, to give advice. This is why, uh, yeah, no, I just thought it was interesting. I'm not a lawyer, interesting I'm not article a here. Just, uh, another way of looking at, uh, at, at, you know, as all this stuff happens, and you were just mentioning before that none of us are experts at this stuff because it's all pretty, pretty new. So just, uh, just, uh, it caught my eye. I read it through it, read through it, made sense yesterday, but now I'm too tired to think about it anyway. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, hi, if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. Mark R at Smapsoft.com. All right. My name is Tim Mitra. T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is the best way to get hold of me. And so until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. My internet went out mysteriously today, and a mm-hmm. colleague who's out in Missouri had his internet do bad things today. Kind of makes me suspicious that something else is going on. You know, people probing the infrastructure. Those damn Democrats! I'm telling you, <laughs> if it wasn't for the Democrats, everything would be fine. You know, and those Ukrainians playing around with Biden and stuff. I'm telling you. That's what it's all about. Indeed. We went and saw Cheech and Chong the other day, and uh, they were they were super funny, of course. And uh, some of the some of the humor, they I mean, like they had Jonathan going, "Oh my god, that!" Like he was laughing, but he's like, "Oh my god," right? Like mm-hmm. the, the the extent to which they they didn't hold anything back. Um, but Tommy Chong had a sort of solo section, and he, and he started talking about um, Justin Trudeau, and the room erupted in like boos and cat calls, and like you know, because you know, because he's you've heard about his latest latest scandal, right? 
Uh, is there a newer one? No, I mean it's, okay. it's such a non non issue. I mean, like he was a theater teacher. Like you're going to put on makeup and you're going to enter a role. I mean, unfortunately, you know the one. Uh, my question is this: Has he ever dressed up as Mister Spock and put on green face? Is that so? Do we have a green face green face scandal now? You know. <laughs> I don't like know about that one because Spock's face wasn't green though. What's that? Spock's face wasn't green though. Yeah, it was. If you look at if you look at the original shows, he's got green makeup on because he had green blood. I mean, ever right. so slight tint. Yeah, but- well, it's TV TV green, right? But still, yeah. If you look if you want, if you look at the the new high res guys, the high res versions, he's he's much greener than than uh, than. I mean, he's much paler, I guess, is than than McCoy or or uh, Kirk, who are very red blooded, you know, sort of thing. So he wasn't like the Gorn monster or whatever that one that episode was on the other day, but. Yeah, but he was green. He definitely like they they definitely tinged his skin, you know. But anyway, my, my point is, if if you dressed up as as a Vulcan, you know, and you and you put on slightly green makeup, is that is that offensive to the race of, of uh, Vulcans? You know, I forgot who it was, but somebody said, you know, there is only one race, the human race, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I understand the sentiment behind that one, but I think it goes uh, slightly yeah. too far because then it's like, well, so tell me, what what sorts of attributes might we yeah. expect yeah. related to uh, sickle cell anemia? Mm-hmm. Right, and it would definitely hit a very particular uh, genotype. Yeah, no, I definitely sickle cell anemia. That's where um, your blood cells are shaped, kind of like sickles. You know, instead oh, of being okay. circles, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not and round. so they don't yeah. carry as much oxygen, so you get anemic. Right, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Don't you turn blue in that case? Like if you have low red blood cells or whatever, or smaller red oh, blood cells? Probably. I don't. I don't know for certain the symptoms of it. Well, there's also jaundice. You've heard of jaundice? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Where, you, where I think is that a high uric acid or something? You turn you turn um, yellow. You know? Yeah. I, I mostly think of that being associated with newborns. Yeah. Hello. I'm back. That was weird. We're back. Yes, we're recording now. Just so you know. Okay. What about newborns? We were talking about the fact that like my internet went out sort of mysteriously today. Yeah, and so did my uh, my colleague out in Missouri. So Missouri. I was wondering if like something weird was going on. People poking at the infrastructure trying to do stuff. Mm. Yeah, but then we were talking about skin color and Justin Trudeau. Oh, I was talking about Tommy Chong, right? So <laughs> we got the booze talking about, hey man, what about this yeah. Trudeau, right? So it's so funny. Like, so the crowd that's at Chi Chin Chong. Imagine who the, the clientele who who partake in Chi Chin Chong type shows, right? So in Canada, we have legalized pot, right? We've had it for like you know a couple of, six months now, whatever. It was Justin Trudeau who who stood up and made sure that bill passed. Right. And mm-hmm. so the same crowd that is enjoying the privileges of smoking pot in Canada are booing Justin Trudeau. Yeah. Oh, That's I thought they were booing people. Are. I thought they were booing uh, Tommy Chong's. Well, uh, they were booing Tommy Chong for for mentioning like like it's funny like I, I'm at a, I'm at a tech fest this weekend this uh, last couple of days right I met saw met Guy Kawasaki today and in his talk he talked about he says it, you know how amazing it is to have a, a a leader of a country that will admit to making a mistake you know mm. and apologize for it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> how refreshing you know and yet you know we ha- half of Canada is ready to, to jump on the conservative band wagon and, and vote Trudeau out of office and and go back to the dark ages which is what I don't get you know Stephen Harper was as bad as Trump but like he had you know people to protect him so you didn't know he was you know conniving behind the scenes right uh, don't get me started on Canadian politics yeah. the pro- like I said many times the reason the, the problem with democracy is everyone gets a vote yeah. Yeah. well interesting things are happening in our politics right now oh we're recording yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah we'll talk about it after we stop recording 
Uh, I'm just looking. I'm just having a quick look at the stories. Even the ones that I put up, I can't remember what I put up. Okay, here we go. What else do I know about? You posted a link to a tweet that just said, thanks. What? Yeah. Oh, I, I put Tim's name on it because... Oh, oh thanks. Thanks, Jaime. <laughs> if you look up in the thread, <laughs> it makes yeah. more sense. But the only thing that had hashtag AskMTJC was the one that I pulled from the... Oh, okay. oh I see. Another friend of mine who I've been pushing to get into podcasting because he's an interesting guy. I started one as well with a friend of his from Chicago, I think. Um, so, and it's another casual conversation. But he's he's a big uh, he's got a lot of knowledge on music and things like that. So, and and very really well read. So, lots of interesting stuff coming his way. But they've only they were only into it for a couple of weeks. It's called um, the Agency Podcast. I don't know why they called it that, but uh, there you have it. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. What else is going on? Oh, we were going to talk about politics, but we have to stop recording first, right? Yes. No. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let's turn off the machines. Let me stop. This.